Hey everybody, welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. On today's show, we are going to discuss the commitment of Louisiana Tech transfer Anthony DeRuji, who uh, signed his letter of intent um, a little after we recorded. Uh, we recorded on Wednesday morning. We'll also talk about um, Kerry Blackshear Jr., the grad transfer everybody's been waiting to announce, has announced that he's in the transfer portal, he's in the NBA draft, so... Uh, you know, kind of a waiting game with him. We'll talk about what he would mean to Florida. You guys all know it would be big. We kind of break down why. We break down Florida's odds of landing him. And then we'll talk about Andrew Nimard's decision, which uh, came about a day after our last show and kind of uh, analyze what that means and why we expect to see Andrew in a Gator uniform next year. So we hope you enjoyed the show. Um, if you have a chance, go to iTunes, give us a rating. Give us a review. I know I hassle people about that on the show sometimes, but those things really do matter when you Google College Basketball Podcast, uh, stuff like that. It shows up if we have more ratings and more likes, and that helps us um, continue to, to give you guys the shows that you guys deserve. All right. Enjoy. Hey everybody, I'm Neil Blackman. I am with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. Uh, I am navigating my way through the Everglades on my way to Tampa. Uh, It's kind of a a crazy story. But, um, so we thought this was like as good a time as any to uh, get you caught up on more roster development stories with the team. Uh, Gators... I don't want to say we called our shot on the show, but the Gators did get a pretty quick commitment from Anthony DeRuji, the Louisiana Tech um, forward shortly after his visit to Florida. I guess he had been slated to go to a couple other places and is not going to do that. I want to get Eric's thoughts on on this player again for those that that haven't listened and and just kind of thoughts on um, what, what he offers to the roster. I mean, the first thing for him is just, like, I, I really think he could be the best athlete in college basketball, which is just given um, just the caliber of athletes in college basketball. Um, that's that's saying a lot. But, uh, I mean, we've seen his, you know, 46.5-inch vertical that, uh, that, that he put up <laughs> that, uh, uh, you know, is, is even better than Deontay Johnson's at a little bit taller and a little bit longer than Deontay Johnson. And uh, I, I just think I, I know the uh, the sit one play two transfer is not particularly ideal for Florida right now. Um, not that it's really ideal for I guess anyone. I mean, everyone would kind of you know wishes their transfers were available right away. Um, but when it comes to a guy like this that's like a super athlete, um, I, that also actually has has some game too. I, I think that that's worth saying too. Um, I do think he's someone that's um, that that you've just got to take and you've you've got to you've got to. Uh, uh, it, it's kind of worth the spot, and I, I'm even I even think about like um like let's look at uh, at Tennessee last year how they were um how they're playing Ponds and they were just kind of like forcing him into the lineup because he was just so athletic and they wanted to see what they had, um, but he had so little game that you know teams wouldn't even guard him they'd let him shoot three pointers um, he he kind of make mistakes and then you see Daruji who is as athletic if not more um, but kind of really has some game to him can really you know he can shoot the ball. Um, he can kind of make plays in the mid post. He saw a lot of zone from what I was kind of watching and, and playing conference USA. And, um, 
and Ed was kind of really good against that, could get the ball at the high post and, and, and make plays against zones. And um, I don't think he'll see, he'll see as much zone in Florida, but um, just kind of that ability to be one shows someone that obviously has a little bit of like, is not just a super athlete, is someone who can think the game and, and has some skills. So um, again, while I don't think this was like the prototypical thing Florida needed, because I think they, um, with their last two scholarships, probably had kind of like two lineup holes to fill and, and now they're only going to be given the opportunity to fill one. Um, I do think Drugi is just that good. Um, and when you have the chance to get um, someone who's going to be probably the best athlete in college basketball when he steps on the floor in, in, in two years, and um, I, I think you just you take that guy. Yeah, I mean, look, my, my kind of thought on that is, because we talked about on the last show that, that in terms of next year's roster, um, you know, having a sit one player wasn't optimal. Uh, but if you're going to take one, you know, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Like you might as well take a guy like Daruji that just has off the charts. Athleticism is already a plus defender, uh, shoots the three point ball at, at about the same rate that Kayvon Allen shot it. Um, <laughs> which, you know, I, I kind of bring up just to illustrate that, you know, people are worried about replacing Kayvon scoring. And I understand that, but at the same time, uh, you're not talking about a particularly efficient offensive player. So, um, and obviously Darushi's not eligible next year. And, and so that has to concern people. But the point that you have to make there is that the staff, uh, the staff is, is thinking about the program. The staff isn't just thinking about what's the best way to win with Scotty Lewis, Trey Mann, and all the freshmen. So I think, um, you know, from that perspective, you're bringing in a player that, you know, I tweeted out, they really haven't had a player like this since Story and Finney Smith. And I know it's not like for like at all, Eric, I'm sure understood that when I tweeted it, but it's, it is that sort of length and athleticism that Finney Smith brought, but obviously a better athlete and maybe a less polished player. Um, but still, you know, Florida just hasn't, Florida's gotten bullied by FSU because they haven't had a, a guy like Anthony Derugia, really, right? So, when you think about the long-term health of the program, it just seems like a productive take. I, I really think so. And I just like watching him play. I just think to myself, like, like his, his floor as a player um, would be just like your second big off the bench. who can still defend and rebound and, and play in transition. Um, but his ceiling is like, wow, this guy could be an absolute star in college basketball just because he is so athletic with also, um, some good skill behind him. And you, you, even just thinking about, um, you know, he's a guy that was kind of pressed into playing quite quickly at, uh, at Louisiana Tech in his kind of freshman year and, um, and uh, you know, played a lot as a sophomore. But uh, just thinking about what he could do with a redshirt year, um, it's even polish a game that's already, honestly, like, you know, for a sophomore was, was pretty good. So so that just makes me think, like, once again, he's got this, you know, his floor is, is pretty, you know, high, really, because he's uh, there's no way he's not just, like, if nothing else, uh, a good solid rotation piece. But I mean, the upside with him would be like, wow, this could be, you know, this could be an absolute star. This could be an all SEC player because um, that athleticism and uh, kind of the, some of the skills he shows with that athleticism, you just don't see all the time. So, uh, yeah, very exciting player. Yeah, I mean, look, Finney Smith was all SEC twice, uh, six man of the year. Um, so, you know, you get and now an NBA player. So, you know, and I don't think that any of that type of stuff is out of the question for Derusia. So I think the thing that I 
think with, I guess the thing I think the most about Daruji is that Eric's right. Like he could be an all SEC caliber player, which is exactly what Dorian Finney-Smith was. Um, and I think he can make plays that, that shift momentum and gains with his athleticism. And so I think you take a player like that and you especially take a player like that when you're in a situation where um, you could have mass roster turnover like Florida in a year. And, and I think the thing you factor into that is assume that the season is super successful. Um, what usually happens when teams have very, very successful seasons is that they get the kind of roster turnover that maybe they weren't even expecting. Like they could expect Scotty Lewis to be gone. They could expect uh, Andrew Nimar to be gone. We're going to talk about Andrew on the show. They, you know, but, but then they, Florida sweet 16 or an elite eight team, they very well could be looking at Keontae Johnson, you know, so you could be multiple departures and boy, would you be glad to have a guy like Anthony Jersey then? Yeah, that would really be where versatility in the lineup would uh, would come through uh, uh, big time if if we started to lose guys early that you're not really expecting. So yeah, that's a great point, Neil. And um, even if um, uh, it, even if you look at the roster in two years, anyways, just the fact that um, Scotty Lewis will be gone, even if Keontae Johnson comes back, I mean, they're still going to find themselves in a situation where um, that's uh, they, they don't have much of the three and four spots. And, and that's something that, uh, yeah, where obviously Drugy helps. And um, obviously, and there's, you know, they have more, they're going to have more scholarships open regardless and can kind of help fill that up. But, uh, but yeah, like even as it just projects right now, it's Keontae Johnson's going to be probably the only one at the, the three and four spots. And there's, a, you know, if Florida has a big time year, he might, he might be gone. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's just something to watch. And I do think that, um, that having someone who's uh, just like versatile, they can cover some different positions. Um, that's going to really help you with the team. That's that's yeah, probably going to start having some uh, some of this turnover with guys um, just kind of uh, before they get to uh, to juniors and and seniors. Right. And so I think I think that when we get upset about, and I I'd say collective we, not really Eric and I, but when people get upset about the the needs of next year's roster, like do they say this is what next year's team needs to compete to go to the final four or to compete? to to win the SEC championship and and you kind of look at these kind of I don't want to call the need for another wing glaring and maybe Eric would characterize it that way I say it would be nice to have that and then I think Florida really needs a, a post that is an SEC caliber post um and so you know yeah it would be good but but you also have to think long-term health of the program when you're a staff and and that's what this is about um the you know, the tricky part now is that there is the one scholarship left and, and Florida uh, has some guys that they're looking at, but maybe taking Derji kind of changes your evaluations of a, of a Trey Wade or uh, of, of those types of players, because you're not maybe as eager to bring them in now that you know that you've got Derji occupying one of your scholarships. Yeah. It, it does kind of make you uh make them decide what's which kind of hole is bigger in their mind and, and I do think it's going to be the starting five spot um even though you know there's there's part of me that's um yeah maybe would call that that kind of hole at the wing glaring um I would say it like borders on glaring for me um but it also depends once again this is something I talked about in the podcast before um who they get at the five if they were to get a graduate transfer um because um yeah, Demir is someone that I, 
I really didn't care for. Uh, you know, Joey Brunk, who they contacted, who did commit to Indiana. Um, he was someone I didn't love. And uh, and just realistically, uh, there's not a lot of fives that I that I really, really do like that, that are on the market right now. Um, and, and for that reason, if you could get someone that's like a little like safer, more reliable at the three, four, I, I might like that option a little bit more. Um, right. But also, yeah, you know, just kind of like we all saw, you know, uh, Kerry Blackshear put his name in the portal and that would be the uh, the ultimate dream. And I mean, if you can get um, if you can get Kerry Blackshear, I mean, that's uh, that that's obviously that's the dream. And then that's someone you take, even though you already have, um, you know, obviously, like I said, so many big men on the roster uh, just because he is someone that just um, would totally just redefine the way you play on both sides of the floor. And also uh, just kind of be a clear starter that, that, that kind of won't get played off the floor where. Um, yeah, just a lot of these other graduate graduate transfer options at the five. You, you, obviously, would be an improvement over what we have, uh, but they've just got so many big men on the roster that I think if they're going to take someone um, someone else in that position, um, yeah, they need to be truly elite. And I think that there's uh, yeah, there's definitely one guy in the market that's truly elite. Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, so you know, we said that we would we we talked about it on another pod, but we didn't really <laughs> intend to. Kind of gave you guys yeah. what, you, what what you had wanted. But now he's in. He's in the portal. He's in the NBA draft. Uh, like we all thought, or like Eric and I speculated, this would be the process. Um, you know, he's not really on very many mock draft boards. He's obviously a very good player. He's just not on uh, mock draft boards for whatever reasons. And I think Eric can talk about some of his weaknesses, uh, and, and we'd like him to do that. But um, now that he's in the portal, we know Florida's contacted him already. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, there are some other programs, notably that that I saw uh, have reached out. Uh, North Carolina, I think, is uh, one of the big names. Texas, uh, another one. I I read something somewhere that Michigan intends to contact him. I don't know if they have yet. Uh, so those are three of the big ones. And then I've also um, heard that Kansas will contact him, which is interesting to me because I don't really know that Asabuki is, is going to go to the NBA. <laughs> um, nor do I think that he really can after losing the whole season to injury. But what are some of the weaknesses of his game before we talk about the strengths that maybe or why he ends up being a five-year college player? Um, well, I mean, just relative to the NBA draft, it's uh, if you just look at kind of the history of, of who teams draft, um, especially at the position of center, like they're just looking for freak athletes and they're looking for them young. That's kind of just what recent history has shown. Um, there just haven't been a lot of guys that are um, four-year players like him currently, um, if you were to go now. There's just not a lot of them that are taken in the draft. And, and I mean, we've seen some um, we, we've seen some pretty good ones uh, just, like, not get drafted that were really dominant in college. And I just think that's um, – yeah, there's – while I do think that – you know, I, I really do think if Kerry Blackshear were to, um, were to just go pro, um, I'm not totally sure he'd get drafted, but I'd be almost certain someone would would put him on a roster, and I, and I actually think they put him on a roster. I don't even think he'd go to the G League route, and I know that might be higher on Blackshear than other, but um, just with like these, I, or I think he'd be like a two way guy for sure, if nothing else. But I think we will see him on an NBA bench. But um, yeah, at the same time, he still he still is uh, he's kind of deceivingly heavy. I think like. Uh, uh, like I do watch him and I do see so much Al Horford on defense with the way he can switch and move his feet. Um, but there is sometimes you're just like, Oh man, that is like a pretty big frame. And I, I, I'm just looking it up now, but um, 260 pounds and uh, I, I, he probably doesn't move, you know, at the college level, it looks like he's moving pretty well. I'm, I'm guessing that there's some teams that don't quite think he's going to be able to do that at the NBA level. 
Um, and then, yeah, offensively, um, yeah, you know, like I think he's, I think he's a really good, um, like, like he's one of those players in college where you can just really play through him through the high post. Um, he can kind of make moves there. Um, he can really pass out of the post. But I think if you're an NBA team looking at that, um, you're not you're not looking at Blackshear as like, okay, we can get this guy maybe in the second round, never going to run our offense through him. Um, that's not really the case. Um, he, he's going to need to be a role guy. Um, and just uh, for for some team to maybe draft um, a player in, you know, that range or whatever, they're probably just looking someone a little more, just like a, a shot blocker, um, pick and roll dunk threat. Um, and that's not really uh, – um, that's not really Blackshear, but um, yeah, I, I actually I just really like his game, and I, I really think that there's um, there's there, there's going to be some teams that are going to be pretty interested in, and make this decision tough for him. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, like I said, I mean that's I think he could be one of the best college or his best centers in college basketball next season if he comes back. Um, so for a player like that, like yeah, he's definitely going to have some NBA interest, I think. So the positives, Eric, Eric punting on some of the weaknesses outside of his friend, yeah. maybe because he doesn't have that many. Um, the, the other way that, cause I don't think he's guarding Collison. Like the, the tweet I sent out uh, last week, like Horford did at the next level. Right. Like, mm. um, but, but he, he is a guy that can switch despite his size. Uh, he has great feet. He's also a really plus passer, which is another reason I think the, the like Horford comp kind of works. Um, is because he's just he's a really smart interior mover of the ball with a low turnover rate, um, and you know one thing that's going to make him valuable wherever he goes, assuming that he comes back and plays collegiately, which I think is what he's going to do, uh, is that he's been the guy. And I know Virginia Tech had Justin Robinson, but he carried them for six weeks when Robinson really was out. Yeah, he really was the guy. And uh, I think that, um, uh, you know, I have to guess, like, you know, a lot of teams, I think if they were scouting Virginia Tech, I mean, I think it'd be, you'd be worried about just, you'd be worried about Robinson if he was, you know, healthy. Um, you'd be pretty, you know, you'd be worried by Nikhil Alexander-Walker at times. But, I mean, if you actually look at how they um, how they run offense, uh, it, it all goes through Blackshear. He was, uh, he was the main guy. So I, I do think he was, he was probably more of the focus for a lot of scouts. And, and therefore, I would say probably the, the, the most important player there. Uh, certainly, certainly was the key player in in both their win over Duke and their Sweet Sixteen uh, heartbreaking loss to Duke. Um, so I think you know you're talking about a guy with with high level tournament experience. He played in the best league in the country uh, and and was the guy on a team in that league that was very good for six weeks. You're not going to get a better player than that on the grad transfer market. I keep. I I, I kind of got a chuckle. I know Eric probably too. Did you get a chuckle at the like he's this year's Reed Travis? It's like no, he's a lot better than Reed Travis. Yeah, I I know that it was just kind of the like comparison or whatever. But yeah, he's way more impactful than uh, than Reed Travis, and I, I I really don't even think it's close. And I I like Reed Travis. That's that's not a, a slight against yeah, him, right. but exactly. um, but yeah, just once again, and I mean like like Neil kind of said like um, about me punting on some of his weaknesses because honestly, I. Like, uh, he's just so well-rounded. I don't think there is a clear weakness. And and again, like from an NBA draft standpoint, I, you look at a lot of things the teams look at and they say like, well, is this guy going to be able to guard his position? And I definitely think Blackshear will be able to. He can guard um, and pick and roll really well. Um, you know, can he shoot the ball? He's like, yeah, he's a five-man shooting, you know, around 33%. And I know that's that's not super projectable to being an elite shooter at the NBA level. At least it's like, hey, he's for, you know, he can shoot a little bit and for a five-man, that's great. And um, yeah, just everything points to him just being so, 
uh, so elite. And I just, especially at the college game. And I, I do think he's, you know, going to be pretty interested by the draft, but, uh, but yeah, wherever he goes, um, I think he's just so impactful. And you, again, you look at like Reed Travis and, and I just don't think he's, he was the same kind of caliber of player. So, uh, yeah, the, I, I kind of understand. It's like, Oh, here's a big man transferring, um, whatever, like, just like Reed Travis did. But yeah, I, I, I think he's a much better player than Reed Travis. So, so we'll get into the Florida aspect of it because there is a, there is a, there is something to talk about there, but let's, let's talk about, and, and here's, here's what I want to do. Cause this is yet a, and I'm going to allow Sarah and Tampa to hit us up with a listener question and just because um, she's awesome and, and drops really good ones. But her, her question was, you know, we keep hearing Florida needs a five. What is it about Blackshear that changes things for Florida? Which I think is an important question to discuss because everybody's like, well, you've got to plug this hole on the roster. They don't, they don't have a natural five man, but there's always like, what's the, what's the reason behind that? Like what makes it different, right? Like what does that change for Florida? What can Florida now do differently if he's on the roster? And so I wanted to ask Eric about that because I think it's a good question and probably something we should explain to listeners. Well, I think that too, just something that we've talked about, just like every single podcast episode, it feels is just um, Florida, how Florida did struggle to, to get the ball inside last year, both off the drive and, you know, through a post player. And I, I just think that Blackshear's ability to, uh, to score on the low block and also pass off the low block um, or the, or the high post, even he just really changes what you can do offensively. And I think that that's, um, that's just so important. It, it just brings an element that it, it would take Florida from a position of not having a guy like that to suddenly having the best player in college basketball at that. So that's a pretty wild swing. Um, so just to be able to change, uh, to change kind of that dimension a little bit, to be able to take some of the load off Andrew Nemhart, who just had to have the ball in his hands um, so often. And um, I mean, kind of one of the secondary ball handlers was Kayvon Allen and obviously he's gone. So um, if, if they kind of change things up by having a, you know, having a, having a Blackshear who can um, kind of run the offense in the half court would be pretty interesting. Um, and then defensively, I mean, you obviously look at the fact that Florida was um, a team that just uh, was kind of built around their defense. And a large part of that was Kavarius Hayes, and he's gone. And I think that while Blackshear is a, is a different defender a little bit than, than Kavarius Hayes, he still kind of um, brings some of, that, um, some of that foot speed, not as much foot speed as Kavarius Hayes, um, but he's got a lot more bulk than Kavarius Hayes. So um, I, I think he'll, uh, while, while a kind of different defender, um, the same way that um, Kavarius Hayes was really effective guarding and pick and roll. Um, Blackshear can do the same. So um, from that element, it's, it's, it's a little bit of like um, he, the fact that he can't seamlessly replace Kavarius Hayes, which is, you know, who I think was just an incredible defender and, uh, you know, should have been on the SEC all defensive team and wasn't, but um, <laughs> so to be able to plug, to be able to plug that hole while also just giving in elements of offense that they just currently don't have. Those would be the two things I'd kind of think about qu- quickly off first. Yeah. So the, I the, I think that's right. And the one, let me add two, let me add two, let me add one on offense and one on defense on offense. I think it makes Trey man more effective in pick and rolls. Um, and, and that's not necessarily because Blackshear, cause I, I actually haven't watched what Virginia tech did offensively enough to know, you know, how often they utilize uh, Blackshear in, in those types of situations. But I still think that, if you get a body like that, that you can high ball screen with, or that you can pick and roll with, uh, and then you have a guy who projects as a really high level pick and roll player, uh, it's really dangerous because they're going to have to account for where Blackshear is 
all the time. Whereas you look at any of Florida's other fives or fours that they might do that with, and I don't think that's the case. So uh, that one, I you know, I would say more loosely, but is another potential offensive benefit. And then the, the defensive one that's the biggest to me, and the, the biggest game changer, I think, with Blackshear for me, um, beyond the ability to play inside out on offense, is I think it makes Scotty Lewis one of the most dominant defenders in college basketball if you have Kerry Blackshear. And what I mean by that is instead of Lewis banging and scrapping undersized and wiry against collegiate fours, which I think he's forced to do in a world where Blackshear's not at Florida, more minutes than Mike White likes, um, you just say, hey, Scotty, go lock down the team's best perimeter player. And I think it 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 increases the number of possessions where Scotty Lewis is a perimeter defender who just locks people down. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what, um, you know, if they were to get um, Blackshear, just what they would do with the lineup a little bit, just knowing that they do need to find uh, some kind of other option to four other than Keontae Johnson, who can't play 40 minutes. Um, so <laughs> if they do play a little bit bigger, um, which we kind of saw a little bit at the end of with, with like a Dante Bassett playing, uh, playing the four, if they try to do something like that or, or play Blackshear at the four, um, who's, you know, a really big frame but can move his feet interestingly and, and doesn't really hurt you offensively because he, he is so skilled. Uh, it, it does bring a little bit of – or, sorry, it would bring a little bit of versatility. Um, and, I, and I would be interested by that. But just like you said, I mean, as, as the roster currently looks, I mean, I, I do think Scotty Lewis is probably going to have to, you know, slide down and play some four. And I, I, I don't think that's ideal. So, um, yeah, having, a, having once again, uh, you know, versatility is big and, and, and Blackshear brings that. So, uh, so thanks, Sarah, for that. And um, I think that's, that's an important piece of that discussion. In terms of Florida and Blackshear, um, the, the quick bio, I mean, he's from Orlando. He's from DeLand, actually. Uh, he's, he's an Orlando guy, but though uh, that's so, – so we'd be the school that's 100 minutes away. Um, his dad uh, has, has been up to Gainesville multiple times in the last six months i'm sure he was just looking at real estate eric um (laughs) you know i'm sure that's all that was uh the the there are staff members that at florida basketball hour that that i've been able to track down that that feel confident about it um confident that they'll at least get him on campus um and i'll say that florida's success rate when kids come to campus is is pretty good recently uh, you know, I mean, I don't think they're going to land, uh, what Julian Strother, right. But I think other than that, they're, they're batting a pretty high average when they get kids to Gainesville. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, um, he, he emphasized, uh, that Blackshear has emphasized that, you know, the type of place he'd like to go is a place where he'll have a chance to win a championship or whether a conference championship and, and play deep in March. And I think obviously Florida kind of projects as a top 20 ish team right now with a really good chance to make the second weekend. Um, and I think with, if, if Blackshear were to come to Florida, they'd be a preseason top 10 team. I really do think that whoever gets Blackshear, like uh, on the assumption that they're like uh, in the same kind of position as Florida, somewhere between like 20 and 30th, we'll say if, uh, uh, if any of those teams got Blackshear, I, I honestly do think that puts them in kind of like Elite Eight, Final Four contention, just because I, I do think Blackshear is that good, and I, I think he's going to be the best center in college basketball next season. So um, I could see why, uh, yeah, 
I, I, that's why Florida is so into them. But you, you do look at just the fact that um, you look at the fact that just like it is such a ready-made role for him in, at Florida. Um, and he could just say like, like, Hey, you've got, you'll probably Andrew Nemhard, Who's just like an elite passer to play with. Um, you've got Noah Locke. Who's kind of an elite shooter. Um, you know, Scotty Lewis is one and done wing talent, and, uh, and Keontae Johnson's kind of a great four to play next to you. And, and you've got Trey Mann off the bench and you just, you just lay out the, just like basketball role he'll play. And I think that that's got to be really enticing. Um, in kind of Florida's pitch to him. And then obviously you had the, um, yeah, the, the geographic ties near to where he's from. And um, I think he, I think he's, Florida's got a really good shot here. And um, oh, yeah. Al Pinkins, um, I forgot about Pinkins, the Pinkins connection as well. It's not just Pinkins reputation as a big man developer, because we actually had, um, and if you go to the Florida basketball Twitter, hour account, you'll actually see, you'll see, but one of the staff members spouses, uh, kind of responded to a question that we got and, you know, pointed out rightly, I think, that there's not a lot of more development really for Blackshear to do as a college player. Like this is just about him going somewhere where he thinks he can win and where he's comfortable. And um, certainly he'd be very close to home and have a chance to win at Florida, which is a huge advantage. And he's also known Al Pinkins since the ninth grade. Because Pinkins recruited him at Tennessee, Pinkins is who identified him uh, as a potentially, you know, high-level player that the Volunteers might want, and uh, continued to uh, to to pursue him. So he's familiar with that particular coach, who coaches Florida's bigs. Yeah, I, this is. I don't want to. We don't need to get too off topic here, but maybe I'm going to. <laughs> I, I I just think that like. Like who who have been the two fives that 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 like that Mike White has had during his time in Florida? It was Igbunu and it was Hayes. Um, you know, Igbunu when he went out was was really really good, and Hayes in his senior year was really really good. So while I don't think that he's you know like some sage with developing big men necessarily or w- whatever, like it's not like he's like Florida is some like a black hole for big men, and that White has been just horrendous using big men i mean there's been two primary fives while he's been here and they both kind of um you know obviously igbunu's in like kind of career was ended prematurely but he was playing at a very high level when um when that happened and you kavari says had an awesome senior year i really think he was extremely an extremely effective yeah. player so i so i just don't like while i don't think florida has had like enough big men come through that under white that have been so good that's um, that they can really be like, hey, join this long list of, of really good big men. Like, I, like, I mean, they can't do that. But at the same time, it's like, hey, the two guys that have started at the five um, during Mike White's era, both kind of uh, were really good players and ended, you know, and developed and were really good by the time that their their time ended at Florida. So right. I just don't really think that Florida, well, I don't think that Florida is some um, fertile breeding ground for big men. I, I'm not going to, like, I, I just don't actually agree that, you know, a center could be like, oh man, I'm like, really concerned what they do with their fives there. Um, so, so, and, I, and to that point, Eric, like John Pelfrey deserves a lot of credit for Igbuna's development and, you know, has developed a lot of big men in his, in his coaching tenure. And it's happy to see him get a head coaching job last week. But, but it's also true that Igbuna developed under white and, and kept getting better. And, and I think one great, one of the great John Calipari is, is always like the great, quote in March and I remember just before you know Florida was that trendy upset pick in that East Tennessee State game and 
they asked Cal about the SEC, of course, in his annual March Madness interview. And Cal said, I don't know why everybody's picking Florida to lose. He said, and then kind of made this throwaway remark that before their center and Buddha got hurt, they were beating everybody by 20. So I went back and looked and the last six games that John Agudu played under under Mike White, the Gators won by an average of twenty one points. So, uh, <laughs> that's just I, so sad. Yeah, including <laughs> a twenty two point victory over over John Calipari's Kentucky, a team that went to the Elite Eight. So I think when you talk about, or sorry, the Sweet Sixteen, but still, when you talk about, uh, you know, like Eric said, when when he's had a five. Uh, the five has played pretty well. And yeah, I mean, Camarius Hayes had a good senior year. I get that people were frustrated with the turnovers, but, you know, the numbers bear this out. He was in a, a very efficient player on offense in February and March. And uh, he was finished the year top 10 in the country in defensive zone rating and somehow didn't make the all SEC team. So, um, you know, whatever. Right? It's just kind of the facts don't really belie the narrative, I guess. Yeah, so um, yeah, I I don't think that's going to be a a major concern um, in in kind of their their attempt to recruit him. So yeah, I'd be interested to watch. And I will also just quickly add that because uh, you mentioned Julian Strother really quickly. Yeah, he announces Thursday. Um, and you know, if you're a believer in the uh, in the twenty four seven crystal ball, um, last time I checked, there were four predictions up, and Florida had one of them. So you know, maybe Florida's a has a chance here. But yeah, he's, he he's a he's a Vegas kid, and. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't see Florida landing him, but at the same time, it's uh, yeah, you, it's, it's just enough to watch just because. Yeah. Um, what do you think? You think Gonzaga? Um, I'm going to go along with the two um, picks in the uh, crystal ball, and I'll say Gonzaga. Though I would be lying if I said this was a recruitment I, I I'd followed a ton and really know a lot about. So, so I follow, um, I have followed it like a little closer than I probably should for a player. Okay. That, like Eric said, is from Las Vegas and. It's just hard to get those players. Really good players from Vegas do not typically go east. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess he loved – when he visited, he was with other players who could potentially be in his class, which I think is important. Um, and, and you know, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's possible, but I still think he's going to go to Gonzaga. The guy I think that Florida will get who should be dropping his, his – uh, Final five pretty soon is Dudley Blackwell. I do think Florida will get him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, well, I, I, you know, I'd say this is a, yeah, once again, a recruitment that you would know more than, uh, more than me, but it's certainly one that, uh, it's certainly one that I, I feel, uh, I feel like Florida has a good chance with, and I do think he would fit in perfectly. So um, I'm looking forward to just when he says he's going to announce, so I can mark it on the calendar, and then obviously very, uh, very interested to see what he picks. But um, that's one I think Florida has a really good chance with. So we should talk about Andrew Nimhar just because that's broken since our last pod went up. And, and you know, I, I don't think it – I wasn't surprised. I'm sure you weren't surprised because you've been the guy that has pushed back against my – he's a three-year guy narrative. And I now have – I'm going to uh, go ahead and, and suggest that I was wrong about that and that he will only be a two-year player because uh, you usually don't declare and then stay two more seasons. Um <laughs> I do think he'll be back. Where are you on that? I do think he'll be back. And uh, honestly, my one thing, I, I didn't tell you this at the time, but um, <laughs> I don't have the numbers to back this up, but I just feel like there are so few three-year guys that go to the draft. Like, I really feel like you go after one, um, maybe you go after two. 
but if you're not ready after two, you're probably going to be a four-year player. I don't know. That's just kind of how I like feel. And I don't have, I have zero numbers to back that up, but there, there just <laughs> seems to be, I don't know. Like, I just feel like you're either like a one or two-year player or you're a four-year player. And I know that's like funny to say, cause that's, you know, three of the four years I just claimed, but, um, but yeah, I, I just, Andrew Nemhart utilizing the rules and I know he can only kind of do this, um, declare sign with an agent and potentially pull out um you can only do that once you can't do that like i know everyone's like oh yeah you can pull back you can only do it once with the rules which is still totally fine but the fact that you can only go through this process once and then come back to college um would suggest to me that he um you know if he does come back to florida which i do think he will that that does mean he'll be gone next year um just because i don't think he would have kind of utilized this rule now um so uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, just to say once again, I, I, I do think he'll be back. I, I don't think he quite has all the boxes checked that he needs to, to be a, to be a draft pick. Um, um, and also, I mean, but Hey, I, I, I always have to kind of give this caveat. If he wants to go pro, I think he's going to go pro regardless. There's uh, there's a lot of players that, um, you kind of see declare for the draft and people are like, Oh, well, he'll never get drafted. So he'll be back. And I do think in a lot of situations with players, um, they don't really care about being drafted necessarily if they're ready to turn pro they're ready to be pro um my last take will also be that honestly it's better to be undrafted than me than to be a second round pick because if you're a second round pick um you have no guaranteed contract um yet you're totally tied to a team for um kind of for that offseason you can't go work out for other teams you can't go play summer league for other teams um if you are an undrafted player uh, you can go. You can go play for multiple teams in the summer league. You can go continue to do multiple workouts. Um, you can expose yourself way better. And I, I think that honestly, we've we've seen a lot of success out of these players that were undrafted um, versus players that were second round picks. Because I mean, if you're a second round pick, um, you know, you better hope that that team actually really loves you um, because you're really closing yourself off to the other 29 teams. And yeah, if you're a, if you're undrafted. Um, you really open yourself up to like, hey, who's got spots in their G League team? Who's got spots in their 17-man roster? Um, and I think, yeah, recent history has shown that that works really well. So um, I would just say that to a lot of people who say, oh, I don't even know if he's going to get drafted. And if so, maybe a second-round pick. Um, I mean, there's, a, there's an off chance it doesn't even matter to him because it's honestly, like, I, I truly believe it's better the way that the rules are currently set in the NBA um, to be undrafted versus a second-round pick. I think that's super interesting. I also think that my, my final take on the Nimhart situation is going to be about Quest Glover, and it's just going to be that I think it kind of speaks to the way that the staff was high enough on high on Quest Glover because their 2020 recruiting board uh, is more wing heavy and dominant than it is guard heavy, pure guard heavy. And so even assuming that Andrew comes back, you're looking at a situation where Quez Glover becomes kind of your incumbent projected starting forward on the 2020 roster, right? And so you then have to think about, you know, are you going grad transfer point guard route next summer? Or are they going to reshuffle their 2020 recruiting class board a little bit? It'd be kind of late in the game to get in on a super elite point guard. Um, I know Eric could speak to that a little bit more, but my point being, it just seems to be yet another kind of signal that I'm sure the staff had a feeling that this was possible and they felt really good about Quest Glover. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to like really, really backtrack, um, uh, <laughs> taking Anthony Derugy, um says that they're probably going to use the last spot on a, on a five man, obviously, as we were talking about before, um, if they use, uh, if they get a five man with their last scholarship, um, that means that their three and four spots are looking a whole lot like it's just Scotty Lewis and Keontae Johnson. 
which then means that Trey Mann is probably going to have to play up and play the three at times. And yeah. if he's going to be playing the three at times, I think that that means Quez Glover is going to be playing some minutes next year. And I know a lot of people were kind of um, interested whether he would be kind of playing right away. And I, I kind of claimed in our podcast, I thought that he was going to be playing right away. Um, but yeah, I just think that the, the ripple effects of Anthony Deruji is that uh, because of Anthony Deruji, um, I think they're going to use the last scholarship on a five, which means their three and four spots are pretty small, which means Trey Mann is probably going to have to play the three, which means that Quez Glover could be playing more of the backup uh, point guard minutes, which, um, yeah, that's my, so that's my long route of why Anthony Drugi is going to lead to Quez Glover minutes next year. Yeah, and it also means monitor what Florida does on the recruiting trail with, you know, you know some of the names. You know P.J. Hall, you know Strother, you know uh, Dudley Blackwell, because we've talked about those guys, Strother being the one that's announcing the quickest, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do from a point guard perspective. Yeah. I didn't even, uh, I didn't really even think about that, but that's a great point just about, uh, or just how you mentioned before that there's not a lot of, there's actually yeah, not a lot of true guards um, at, uh, at the position. And I mean, like um, you probably, or sorry, on their, on their big board for 2020. And I mean, I think that, um, you know, you know, I, I think that Trey Mann will be back for sure. So, um, you know, that that would leave, you know, Quez Glover and Trey Mann, which is uh, probably if you are, are if they do move Trey Mann back to the one after I think he'll probably be playing more at the wing this upcoming year. Um, you know, that's still probably pr- uh, a pretty good um, kind of point guard rotation. Uh, but also just um, just kind of factoring into that, um, uh, like Daruji, I, I think is going to be a starting caliber player coming off his um, right, kind of coming off his redshirt year, so he's going to eat minutes there. So, um, just kind of looking towards what they do, um, and yeah, just uh, I, I did see that. Yeah, uh, you know, Strother will be uh, will be announcing a Thursday at at one o'clock. It looks like, and uh, that's something that I think you should just you know, Gators fans should probably just like you know, casually keep an eye on. I wouldn't uh, don't think it would pre- uh, you know require a ton of attention, but uh, something to keep an eye on. So there, there it is. Uh, I kind of think. Um... That that the if you're thinking timeline on the Blackshire thing, you know, be patient. I mean, Eric and I said that that June was possible. I don't know if if Carrie will take that long or not, but uh, very well could, very well could um, roll all the way up to June. So uh, I would expect him to take a couple of visits, and and certainly if he's going to go through the NBA process, which he says he is, that takes time. So. This isn't all going to happen overnight, but but it's certainly a possibility, and it's it's cool to know that the staff, you know, meet immediate contact, and it appears that that that's their priority. I I think so too. So, um, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to watch, and, and priority absolutely. That's uh, I think that just kind of says it best. That'll be the the big priority now. Um, I, I, another thing I just um, wanted to add on something completely unrelated, but. Um, uh, Neil, this is very much along your um, um, how, how you like to talk about um, just kind of how how Florida uh, has a couple of recruiting classes that totally uh, totally missed. Did you see Eric Hester's announcement um, last uh, last night? Oh yeah, Eric Hester's resurfacing in Florida at Tallahassee Community College. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> not to be disrespectful of, of kind of that uh, that that road of basketball, it is it is just kind of uh, interesting and too bad that. Um, yeah, that's kind of what's uh, where one of uh, you know the players of Florida in Florida, one of Florida's recruiting classes, obviously in the transition year. But yeah, he, uh, Tallahassee Community College. But we'll always have that game where Chris Chioza got a triple double because Eric Hester kept making three pointers in the corner. 
<laughs> that was special. That was definitely special. <laughs> we'll always have that day. So. <laughs> Thanks everybody for uh, listening, and, and again, we appreciate it. We'll we'll do another listener question show, and, and we promise at some point we'll we will talk about forwards. <laughs> bye bye.